This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Hello and welcome to Islanders Anxiety from the Lighthouse Hockey Podcast Network. My name is Dan Saracini. Joining me again via Zencaster is my friend Michael Leboff. And uh, Mike, before we get started with the show, you have uh, some big news of your own to share, which is exciting. Yeah, I'm a dad now. <laughs> my God. <laughs> uh, yeah. uh, my, my wife and I um, had a baby girl a week ago today, uh, February 1st. Uh, her name is Isla James. And isla and and um no i i you're not gonna believe me no one's gonna believe me but i didn't come up with the name uh wow. this was a name that uh my wife emily loved for a long time and anytime we talk about kids and names we liked um she always said she liked isla for a girl and i always thought that's a you know that's perfect for me right like so um sure. with the connection to you know long island and then obviously islanders but um yeah so wow that's where i'm at now that's cool. I, I was actually going to say that you got mentioned by Elliot Friedman on the Jeff Merrick show and then followed on Twitter <laughs> by Jeff Merrick. But I guess the baby's kind of a big deal, too. So Yeah, that was funny. I, that was so <laughs> funny story. So, yeah, that was also a week ago today that I was, I was talking to Elliot about, you know, he, he'll like check in with me every now and then about like just gambling stuff and like kind of like gambling narratives in the NHL. And he's, he's definitely interested in that kind of stuff. And uh, so that night, that Tuesday night, the Coyotes were uh, – you know, big underdogs against the avalanche and a couple times this season, the, the coyotes and Canadians have been, uh, if, if they had won, if they'd mm. won, they, they would have been the biggest upset in the NHL for 15 years uh, <laughs> plus. And uh, one of those games was against the avalanche a couple weeks ago with the coyotes and they played really well, got it to a shootout and lost in a, in a crazy shootout, a crazy overtime where 
like I think Nazem Kadri cleared a puck off the goal line for them in overtime. <laughs> it was just it was a heartbreaking loss, and I was talking to him about that. And um, then so Tuesday they play again, and you know I just had a, a baby. <laughs> uh, so my mind wasn't really with the Coy- Arizona Coyotes, believe it yeah, or not. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, didn't bet the game, and I was really upset. Then, so I te- I was texting him that night and saying, "Yeah, I was like, yeah, I didn't bet it um, mm. because I had a kid. Uh, yeah. So I'm a- I was I was joking around that I was already you know mad at her, but uh, <laughs> yeah. So that that happened, and um, yeah. So now now I now I got to be super super complimentary of uh, yeah. Of Jeff and Elliot uh, yeah. from now on, uh, because uh, you know I you don't want to upset upset my new friends. You never know he might he might be listening, but yes. uh, yeah, no, it was that was pretty funny. You were I, that was I guess yeah the two exciting things that happened in a row, and it was it was pretty funny that when you got followed by him, I was like, oh my god. <laughs> but uh, no, but it's it's exciting news. It's an exciting time. Much love to you and Emily and little Isla. It's going to be a great time, and I will leave the majority of the dad advice to your dad, but I will tell you from the perspective of a more recent parent, uh, you guys should at some point start to familiarize yourself with the programming on Disney junior, Nick junior, PBS kids, that kind of stuff. Because at some point Isla will find a show that she absolutely loves. And that show will become your life for a period of a certain amount of years. For my daughter, it was Dora the Explorer. Like from the moment she's about six months old, we, we something we put Dora on. And from that moment on to the next like four years, our whole lives were Dora. It's fine. I liked Dora. You know, you learn a little math, a little Spanish, learn how to read a map, that kind of stuff. And I have a super high tolerance for kids programming. So it was cool. But sometimes I do look back and I'm like, boy, we had a lot of Dora the Explorer on back then. It was basically like Dora, the Islanders, and Real Housewives. That's like all we watched for a period of about four years. Yeah, so I, I wonder time. if I could get her interested in in um, the the old Islander game uh, YouTube channel. Yeah, there you go. Uh, yeah, it, I mean, it, <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, teach her about Mike Sillinger, and maybe she'll <laughs> she'll her her version of Dora the Explorer will right, be, yeah, you know, Andy Hilbert or something. But she, uh, she is your blood, so yeah, it's possible. Exactly. My daughter ended up watching the All Star Game with me this weekend, which I thought was I was like I almost felt like turning to her and go, "Why are you still watching this with me? What do you care? Like I'm watching this for one, literally one guy. I don't yeah. know why you're watching this for, but it was it's nice when they sit and watch the TV with you when I, they don't have to. My daughter's 11; she doesn't have to watch the TV with me. I, I guess but, the smart money. On Bluey because I, I, I've heard through the grapevine that Bluey is a uh, Australian rules football yes. fan and I, and I kind of fell in love with that sport last there year and the sleep schedule lines up perfectly. I mean, I was getting <laughs> up for games at like four in the morning to watch if there is a yeah. good game and you know I, I want to like you know maybe bet it or something. I would get up and watch and uh, now I have a, oh, yeah. a more um, you know dignified reason to get up and, <laughs> and bet on Australian yeah. rules football. Uh, the season starts in about a month, so. You will definitely know like the times of these shows and when to hunt for them and when to look for them and when they're on and you'll have the DVDs and you'll know when they're on uh, demand and whatever. So uh, again, just, just, you don't have to do it right away, but you might as well start getting acclimated to that sort of thing (laughs) if you are not already. And I can't. Is there, do they still have the old, um, like there was a channel when I was growing up, coming of age, like the banana splits were on it. Yeah, and it was like older cartoons, like Hanna Bar, uh, Hanna was it Hanna yeah, Barbera? They, well, like it's Boomerang. Yeah. Boomerang. Yeah, but here's the thing: like Boomerang doesn't play like '60s and '70s cartoons anymore. Now the retro cartoons are from like the early 2000s. So it's like Dexter's Laboratory mm. or like Powerpuff Girls, which are fine shows, 
But like I, when I was growing up and Boomerang was a thing and they played like Johnny Quest and the Flintstones. And I was like, oh, this is great. But they don't do that anymore. Now, the Flint, forget the Flintstones. You got to buy, you got to pay up for HBO Max to get the Flintstones, which is a little crazy to me. But they do play Be Cool Scooby Doo, which is a great, a great when show. When I was, when I was a kid, my, my dog's name was Scooby. So, oh. like the two, I was one of five. I'm the yeah. middle child of five. Um, and we're all within and my oldest mm. brother, David, is born in 1986. And then my youngest sibling, Jamie, she's born in 94. So, like, we're all pretty oh, much, wow. you yeah. know, just Irish Catholic family with a Jewish dad. But um, <laughs> we, uh, the, the two shows we watched more than anything, I think, were Scooby-Doo and Banana Splits. I, and I don't, I don't know how those, that combination ended up happening from like a logistical <laughs> standpoint, but we, we really, really loved the Banana Splits. That's pretty funny. Well, the, I guess the other thing, too, is the, the kids aren't always into the shows you're into because like we throw, we've thrown on like Love Boat and Wonder Woman and The Incredible Hulk. And my daughter Josie's looked at them and been like, <laughs> I don't understand what like it's hard to go from like, you know, Avengers Mark Ruffalo, CGI, Incredible Hulk to like Lou Ferrigno in the green body paint with the wig, Incredible Hulk, you know? And so the, the connection isn't always there. Um, but uh, I, I'm sure you can find the banana splits somewhere. But be careful because they made that horror movie about the banana splits a couple of years ago. So you don't want to accidentally stumble <laughs> upon that when trying to find some like classic banana splits. But uh, now well, now I feel like watching banana splits. But we have work to do. We have, we have uh, yeah. actual Islanders podcasting to do. Um, and what a pair of games to talk about that <laughs> happened a week ago. Uh, and then we're going to look at kind of the upcoming, uh, you know, second half of the season, uh, in the second half. Um, but, uh, yeah, so, you know, you, you were busy last week. So it was me and Carrie and, uh, we talked about the games from before and the couple of games that ha- they had coming up one against the Ottawa senators and then a rescheduled game against the Seattle Kraken the next day. And we just kind of assumed that the Islanders being, you know, an okay team that just needed to get some you know wins under their belt would probably take four points from those two games and, and move on. In the first part, they they did their part. They beat the Senators four to one. Um, you know, it wasn't the greatest game in the world. They were terrible for five minutes, but after that, it was pretty much all Islanders. Um, uh, Beauvillier scored, which is nice to see. Uh, Wallstrom scored again. Barzell had a beautiful goal off of the first of two great Scott Mayfield passes. Uh, Ilya Sorokin stopped Alex Formanton on a breakaway. That was really neat. And then that was pretty much it. Uh, Adam Pellick even scored a beautiful goal before his all-star appearance, uh, also from Mayfield. And it was great. It was a very workmanlike 4-1 win, no problem. Next game, Seattle, expansion team, you know, roster made up of cast-offs. And this is one of the worst Islanders games I've ever seen. They lost 3-0. It was just, it was 0-0 through two periods. Like, all they had to do was come out and play good for 20 minutes. Like you already got away with it twice. Twice you played terribly against this expansion team and you got away with it. All you had to do was come out and be like, okay, you know what? Enough, enough fun and games. Let's just put the pedal down, get a couple of goals on the board and get the hell out of here and go on vacation. And they couldn't even do that. And Jared McCann scored. Varlamov wasn't even looking in his direction. I don't know what was going on there. Two and a half minutes later, Vince Dunn scored from like just offside the blue line. Uh, and that was it. And then they ended an empty netter and it was, it was painful to watch. Like is really the only thing I could say. And it, whether the Islanders are in first place or in last place, that is the exact type of game you do not want to play against an expansion team because it's embarrassing. And the Islanders now to my count have done this at least three times. <laughs> they did it against the senators in their expansion year. They were the only team to lose at home to the senators. They did it against the Atlanta thrashers, a game I was at where they lost two nothing the Thrashers' first win, first shutout, uh, and now against the Kraken. And this is a habit that I really wish the Islanders would would break at some point. But this is apparently not the year. We'll have to wait for another expansion 
year to happen. So how much <laughs> of these games did you watch and what were, what, if any, were your takeaways from them? Yeah, I, did, I didn't get to see much of uh, the Senators game. I was, I, I kind of was like falling asleep um, on the, I, I, do you watch, uh, I think you should leave with Tim Robinson at all. I've seen the first season. Yeah. Okay. I haven't well, watched there's, there's, season yet. <laughs> there's a scene in a sketch in the second one where he's, it's the Dan Flash's sketch and he's uh, in a, in an office like in, in like a conference room and he's sitting on like a really uncomfortable chair. And that's basically what, what, what you're dealing with at a hospital, like these like <laughs> terrible leather chairs that are just so utilitarian and just obviously not fun to sleep on. And so you're just like lying like that. I was just lying on that chair for two days straight, <laughs> like to get when I need to sleep. Um, but I put the game on like uh, on my phone next to me and was like kind of listening more than watching, um, falling in and out of sleep. And I woke up for the end of the game, heard the Sorokin save, Mm. Uh, and yeah, and, and it, the frustrating thing about that win is like, it was like, okay, like it's, that win is meaningful only if the next game goes well. And this, the Kraken game, I, I always revert back to, there's one game in 2006 that I always revert back to when I get the feeling where the Islanders just aren't going to score. Uh, and it's, it's the, I, I mean, I, I, I probably brought it up on this podcast six times, which is sad, but, uh, it's, it's the Alan Rourke when Alan Rourke, uh, batted the puck into his own goal, uh, against the devils, the devils won two nothings, 2006. Uh, and in that game, I was at that game and I just remember thinking the whole game from the first shot that Marty Brodor saved to the, to the end of the game when, uh, the devils skated off and won, like there's just no way the Islanders are scoring. They're not coming close. You can play 12. 30 periods in this game, they're not going to score. And that's how that cracking game felt very quickly. And, and in that game, this 2006 game, the Islanders actually played all right. Like Brodor just was really good. Uh, it was actually a good goaltending battle. And uh, in this game, it wasn't that it was the <laughs> Islanders were just terrible right. uh, from every, every, it looked, it, it was just a game that looked, they looked completely disinterested in. And at the end of the season, like let's say the Islanders season kind of just follows this pattern of, inconsistency uh and they you know they miss the playoffs and don't really threaten to 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 gate crash um at the end of the season i really do or at the beginning of next season when players can start to be a little honest about this season you can't give just give lip service i do want to hear um what what they say if 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 it it truly is hey like we we've really just emptied the tank the past couple seasons with the, the not just the two playoff runs but the environment that those two playoff runs play uh took place under the like just the the outside pressure of being a professional athlete and during the pandemic all this stuff whatever uh we all know what it is and 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 that and honestly like if if that's the case i would be totally okay with it um i would be sad like it's sad it's never fun to to go through a losing season because a losing season uh has you know ripple effects throughout not just the fan base and the organization but like just in general like it, it just it, it's not good for anybody that the fan base starts to tear itself apart all of a sudden <laughs> barry trotz doesn't like people from finland anymore and stuff like that like it's it's that's that's the kind of stuff gets thrown around these mm. uh unfounded kind of like hockey twitter mm. things uh when when teams are losing because people are upset and looking for someone to blame and it's like i said it's not fun to be losing um but uh at the end of it, if like they do say, yeah, like, you know, maybe we just didn't have anything left in the tank after that. I, I would, you know, kind of just, you know, not along and be like, it sucks. It's, it was sad and it was tough, especially because it was the first season at UBS, but yeah. Uh, and, and it's been, and, and it was a very trying season from the schedule and, and everything they've dealt with um, because that game really looked like a team that 
was just ready for the All Star break. <laughs> yeah, there's yeah, there's really no other way to put it. Um, and yeah, you know, I, I I mentioned this briefly with with Carrie, and I never really got to explore it. So I'm glad you brought it up. Uh, you know, after watching that game, I have now put more stock into the this team is tired philosophy. And I know that's not like the sexiest answer for anything. It's not something that people want to hear. It kind of sounds like you're kind of, you know, wipe, you know, kind of hand waving away an entire season. And and I don't know, maybe I am, but like, it's exactly what you just said. Like they, this team went on two very long playoff runs, one in a, you know, normal season that still had the kind of sprint to the end feel to it again from, from December, of that year, right, right on through the end, it was a real, you know, kind of, uh, there was a lot of uh, excitement to it. And then obviously you were coming off the whole Tavares thing. And and then to sweep in the first round of the playoffs was just too much. It was a lot. And then, you know, they start the next season and we go into the bubble and, and they come out firing. And you know, that was, there was a lot of emotions and a lot of energy. And then you come back and you've got a season that's all sprint, 56 games. And they do it all again, basically. So then they come back. They got the road trip. They got the COVID. They got the Pollock injury. They got a new arena. They got, a, and to me, it just might be too much. And I know we like to think of you know superstar athletes as being guys that you know can kind of get through all this stuff. But man, I I think that they're three years older. It's been a lot. They've carried a lot, and I'm not surprised that they're they're you know kind of mentally gassed a little bit. Now, like you said, the bad news is that's still not a great scenario and what's going to happen is changes are going to be made. And I do think that they're, I also see a team that is crying out for at least some new blood and Oliver Walsham has provided some of that for a little bit. Kiefer Bellows to an extent, Robin Salo has a little bit and you know, he, he sat out both of those games. Uh, Ryan Pollock was back in the lineup. Thank God. And Salo was out the one, the both games and they look fine against the senators and then not against the Kraken. And there was a huge outcry about, oh, my God, I can't believe they sat Salah. Why didn't they sit Chara or Green on back-to-back nights? Yeah, I mean, I guess so. But A, they were fine the first night. And B, like, how many Robin Salos needed to be in the lineup to make any bit of difference at all in that game? Like, you had mm-hmm. 25 guys that couldn't be bothered. Like you said, we're ready to go. And, and the the biggest culprits were the first line. They were absolutely terrible. And we've, we haven't said that in a long time. But, man, every time Barzell had the puck, it ended up on somebody else's stick. And even he acknowledged that today. So I, you know, to me, I know they they just had a week off, so maybe they got some kind of energy back. But I, I'm with you. I feel like that is a very, very real, you know, explanation for this kind of season, which I've never seen a season like this. Like even just the game getting postponed on the Saturday and then being played. Like to me, when they postponed that game on Saturday, I'm like, I just I can't take this anymore. Mm-hmm. I can't. It's <laughs> just too much. Even though they just immediately rescheduled it. But I that's the way I think. And honestly, I've I've seen other people outside of the Islanders bubble start to say, hey, look, I don't know how anybody can blame this team for for the kind of season it's had because it's been a mess. It's been a huge mess from, yeah. from right from the get go. I, I think th- you know, my friends, my good friends, Jeff and Elliot, were talking about <laughs> it on the show, like about how uh, it's it's been a heavy season just in general, like mm. the with the league and the starting from the way the season started with the Blackhawks, uh, mm. uh, the horrible like abuse scandal. And then mm. the schedule uh, just getting completely annihilated, the Olympics <laughs> thing. Right. Uh, it's yeah. just it's it's just been it's it's been more of a chore than anything. And, I, and obviously, like, look, look, the Islanders are playing well. 
we wouldn't be talking like this at all. We'd just be saying this is a great right. season, but uh, just when, when, when the Islanders are not playing well and you add in all this other stuff, it's, it's, uh, it's, it just becomes more work than anything. And I think the players are kind of feeling <laughs> that too. And it's, it's a little sad because the, you know, the expectations on the team before the season and the fact that they finally get, you know, Zidane Ochara and Zach Parisi back. And it was mm. just, it just had the potential to be this amazing fairy tale. And, uh, you know, it, that's not how, that's not how things go. But, <laughs> I uh, mean, we lived through three fairy tales, really, when you think about it, <laughs> over the last three seasons, you know? Yeah. Like, and it's, it's, it, it's, it's frustrating because it's like you, I, I, you want to see the team succeed and whatever. And, and, you know, in the back of your head right now, it's, it's really, the, the chances of, of anything coming out of the season are just so th- slim and it's, it's truly, truly when you better win six games in a row, uh, starting, was it Wednesday against the Canucks? And, yeah. Uh, or else. And, uh, then, because then the decisions start to get made. Um, if when, when that doesn't happen and cause the, the trade deadlines, what a month and two weeks, six weeks away or something mm-hmm. like that. And, uh, um, it's going to be, this is going to be the, the first trade deadline since Trotz got here where the Islanders are uh, in position to, uh, not in position to add, but in position to uh, make some really tough decisions and guys that you and I and everyone listening to the show love are, uh, it's, it'll be better for the team if, if they are dealt. And, and that's what we're talking about with like, yeah, like on one hand, I can excuse these guys this team for um, you know just not having it this season, uh, and on the other hand, when those trades go down, like if Cal Clutter Buck gets traded, that the team that the players have no one to blame but themselves. That that happened because they did feel that they weren't able to to find whatever uh, deep down inside them to like you know give it another go, and it just gives you a, a true perspective on things like with uh, with like some of these other teams, and and we hate the. F- Penguins so much on the show and like everyone listening hates them and they've made the playoff 17 seasons in a row or something like that and they're gonna make it again and and it's like the diff and this is this is uh i was having this conversation with my friend chris the other night that because we, we're having a similar kind of talk and about how i can't believe you know just how hard it was to make the playoffs three years in a row and go on these runs and then you think about the penguins and um the difference between them is like when the penguins have you know they had Sidney crosby and they had again malkin and John Tavares, when he was drafted, or, and even before, like the four four years before, like when he got the exemption or whatever, he was supposed to be the next Sidney Crosby. And uh, the fact that he wasn't that he was good. He, John Tavares is a very good hockey player, that, uh, and he was brilliant for the Islanders. But the fact that he never got to that like truly, truly special best player, near best player in the league tier is probably the difference, right? Like, like mm. if he did, and the Islanders were able to to build around him because he was a game breaker, then perhaps they are able to do, to replicate something like the penguins or the capitals have been able to accomplish with, with their guys. Um, but the, the fact that he wasn't just kind of, it didn't send him back or whatever, but like it didn't make it a prolonged, you know, eight, 12, 14 season streak, uh, pretty much impossible for for this team. So maybe like the three these this like three season streak was you know this is that's kind of like the ceiling for the team mm. uh, it, it, in its current form. Uh, and next season we'll see what they do. But uh, it's it's like 
these are the kind of the weird thoughts that go through your head during a losing season though. It's like, I'm blaming him for, for, for the fact that the Islanders aren't going to be able to make the playoffs <laughs> the fourth season in a row, basically. And uh, it's like, it's, it's just, it sucks. Mm. It sucks because it's, yeah. you know, we've been through so many losing seasons in uh, our lifetime and it's uh I, I thought like we had put those kind of feelings behind us for a while. And yeah. once one happens, um, assuming that this is one, you never know when the next winning one is coming again. And that's, <laughs> that's what really is scary. Yeah. I mean, I guess the big difference is that, you know, this management group and this coaching staff are better than the ones that the honors have had before. Yeah. And, and the goaltending too is. Yeah, for sure. And and there's guys there that are pretty good. And so it's funny that you mentioned Tavares because it occurred to me that, you know, taking, I, I might've been listening to that same episode of uh, 32 thoughts when they said that, but this season has been so insane and so many crazy things have happened and so many things have gotten it derailed that I, I don't know. I don't know about other people, but I have almost completely forgotten the fact that it started with an off Broadway play about Islanders fans reactions to John Tavares signing with the Leafs and free agents. <laughs> That's that's where the season started. <laughs> it's like in September of I last about year, that too. and it just completely. I'm not blaming them, obviously, <laughs> but like that's in a normal season, that would be like the craziest thing to have happened. Like, oh man, do you remember that play? Oh yeah. Now it's like the fiftieth most crazy thing that we have seen so far this season. <laughs> and I just was like, oh man, right? That was this season, or at least before this season. But um, yeah. and, it, and it's funny that you mentioned the Penguins too, because I was thinking about them, and this isn't really relevant to the Islanders, but like, you know, people talk about like rebuilds and stuff like that, and and like you know the Sabers went through it. They obviously had to trade uh, uh, Jack Eichel. Now that the Canadians, who last time I checked were losing to the Devils, now they're you know people are already like they're going to draft Shane Wright, who's going to be I guess the next big guy and whatever. Uh, it occurred to me that like rebuilds only work if a couple of criteria are met. One, you lose a lot in consecutive seasons, like at least three, if not four consecutive seasons. And B, you draft Hall of Famers in all four of those drafts, <laughs> at least. And C, you find a good coach that can maximize those guys and the guys that are below them. That's how rebuilds work. Like people look at the Penguins. It's like, oh yeah, well you rebuild just like the Penguins. Okay, the Penguins drafted Flurry, Malkin, Crosby, and somewhere in the middle there, Latang and Jordan Stahl, and four of those guys are going to the Hall of Fame. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And it's like, and they also had, you know, Michelle Terrian, okay, he was a good coach. They added Dan Bilesma, who I think was a pretty good coach. And now they got Mike Sullivan and they won two straight cups. Like they have good coaches there to do that. And like, you know, Crosby's first coach was Eddie Olchek, and he lasted two seasons and then they got rid of him, you know. So because I guess he was a nice guy, maybe not a great coach. So I mean, it, it's it's funny that, you know, rebuilds don't all pan out the way the Penguins one did because I don't know, you didn't draft four Hall of Famers. So the Islanders got, like you said, they got a pretty good dude in theirs and that was it. And they had a bunch of okay players and now, you know, they've managed, managed to cobble together good seasons from the remnants of those years. But, you know, you also see where the lack of like draft prospects have come in, you know, like we're all sitting here hoping that Robin Sallow plays and Robin Sallow's played fine. But again, he, he's one guy, he's not going to, save the season. Noah Dobson's played great this season. He's one of the few guys that has played pretty well all season long. And again, he's one guy, you know, and and so hopefully at some point he gets to a point where you can, you can, he can carry a team, but you know, this is a team also that has a lot of homegrown guys on it, but some of them have reached maybe where they're going to be and that's good, but you don't have any more guys coming up and that's, you know, where the Islanders are at right now. They don't really mm. have anybody else coming up. 
Yeah. So I think (laughs) like the, the, the thing about those young players too is in, in a different season, in a different environment where the Islanders didn't come in say this was 2017, 18 kind of Mm. stuff. You know, the Dobson stuff the the Oliver Wallstrom looking like he's going to be a legitimate top six forward and Salo giving a pretty good account. Like these would be considered huge wins. Right. Um, for the team. Cause they've been, and Sorokin like this, this right. it, all of a sudden you're starting to see a core like develop. And <laughs> the problem is, uh, or, you know, the, the, the strange part is the Islanders have like three different cores right now. Right. Mm. Like they, they, they have that, <laughs> they certainly have that, uh, you know, uh, Dobson, Sorokin, Wallstrom, you know, A2 Ratu coming mm-hmm. down. Like there is, there is some pieces to build around in that under 23 range. Then there's the, the Beauvillier, Barzell, Pollock, mm. Pellet kind of guys like in that, in, in their heart of their prime. And then the post Tavares. Yes. Draft, basically. Yeah. And then you right. got the guys who, <laughs> right. I was going to say Lee, Nelson, Bailey. Yeah. And, yeah. <laughs> and then, and, and, and you could even like put in like some of the, you know, JG Pajot feels like, you know, he fits in perfectly with that, that, uh, you know, Lee group because right. he's, he's got that kind of yeah. sense of Palmieri too. Him. Yeah. yeah Palmieri. Exactly. <laughs> and then, uh, and, and on the, like, it's, it's such a, 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 a team that is crying, like crying out for youth, like in, in mm. some ways. And this is why the, the play of the kids crowd, it like kind of confused me a little bit. Cause it does. <laughs> Cause so much attention is focused on, uh, you know, Chara and Green being older, and and the fact that they they are one of the oldest teams in the league too. But like, they do play their young players. Like the, the Islanders have uh, you know, Wallstrom and Salo playing, and they they all they both have played a, a majority of the games since uh, they've been or since Salo's been called up, yeah. and then Wallstrom's played most of the games this season. And sure, you, you can see his playing time up get ticked up or whatever if you want, but. Um, it's not like it's, this isn't like, there's not players in Bridgeport <laughs> banging right. down the door. Uh, you know, this isn't, you know, Justin Mapletoft and those kind of guys like, Oh, we got to get Tommy Pettin in the lineup. Like, <laughs> no, this is, this is the team and this is not going to change and probably won't change that much next year. Um, and if it does, it's because we've lost a couple guys mm. <laughs> that we all truly love. Like it's, it's, it's time to start to, uh, you know, think about and, and, and appreciate the, you know, the career that Cal Clutterbuck's had for the Islanders and the career that, you know, potentially Scott Mayfield has had for the Islanders and those kind of guys. Um, because if, if you do want to see this team get younger, uh, those are the guys that are going to be sacrificed to do so right. rather than, uh, you know, that the, the Zidane Char is not going to get cut or, or scratched and, and we're going to see, uh, Samuel yeah. Bolduc walk in the door like that's not how this team rolls like, <laughs> and and like and Char and Green are two guys that definitely could be uh, traded for I think Green actually his trade value is probably yeah. going to be just about the same that we Islanders got for and when, and when that day comes when the Islanders if, if if it does come the Islanders trade Andy Green for a second round draft pick or something boy am I going yeah. to go back to the day that the Islanders traded for Andy <laughs> Green and, and, and retweet a bunch of people that yeah absolutely lampooned the deal because uh, not only did they get three seasons where they made uh good you know two two stanley cup potential runs and then this one out of andy green and, and he's helped the development of noah dobson but uh, mm. they, they gave up a second round pick and they probably will get one back for him but um mm. that's, that's for another time yeah uh, but yeah. like the, the the point is that it's this this uh 
whole uh, this team is is not constructed in a way that it's just like it's very it's going to be easy to 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 um, re- retool for the next year. It's like it's it's a very awkward awkwardly put together team, and there have been um, definitely some some missteps to to get to them this point from like from the the general manager from Lamarillo, and uh, like no nobody's been particularly good uh, for the, for the team this whole season. That's why they're in the spot, like from the coach <laughs> to the, to the GM or whatever. But um, it's, it's, it's going to be interesting because I, I look at it all the time. I look at the cap friendly. I'm like, mm, who, me too. And, who, who and what, like what, what can you move besides yeah. the obvious ones to like truly make this team what people want it to be. It seems yeah. like a more quote unquote, like modern run mm. and gun. I don't know what they want anymore. Like, <laughs> That's not going to work with this team because yeah. of, like we said, they do have these different kind of groups of players where you need to fit them all together. Mm. I mean, and, and this is another thing too, and I, I wanted to, to break, but maybe we'll we'll get into this in the second half. Um, yeah, and, and you know, again, with the two guys in charge, they're going to be looking for certain players. Uh, but I do that too. I look at the Cap Friendly page and uh, Green I, hadn't strike, struck me as a guy they would trade. I wouldn't be surprised. I, I feel like... I mean, would it surprise anybody to see Chara traded back to Boston for like future considerations, like just for yeah. nothing, just as they go to back to the playoffs, maybe he can fit in bit that there again. And uh, the guy I was wondering though, was, um, you know, everybody kind of wants to trade Varlamov to the Oilers, but you know, if I'm the avalanche, I'm not going into the playoffs with Darcy Kemper and uh, what's his name. The other guy is the Franco, backup. Yeah. And you know, Varley, Varley played there. He's been pretty good this season. His record isn't that great, but I mean, ever since those after those first couple of duds, he's looked like himself. And I wonder if he would be amenable to to that. And uh, you know, maybe the Islanders can get something for for him because uh, he's got some more time on his life. Maybe they trade Clutterbuck there too. I don't know. I don't know. To me, Clutterbuck, I don't think they would trade him. I think I think it's, they it's, would more likely really, sign him to a contract extension. It's, um, it's so funny because like we, we, this this team really means so much to us and, and the fans right. and everyone listening to the show like this this group after what they just did for us last year and the right. year before that too like and um that's why it's like you know deep down that if cal clutterbuck fetches you a barclay goudreau or you know <laughs> blake coleman kind of return when when they the the lightning traded for them like you, right. you you gotta do it for the for the health of the organization that's but at the true. same time no, yeah. like at the same time you just gotta you've gotta be like no i, I you know what that that first round pick and prospect, eh, they don't really mean that much to me. I'd rather let <laughs> I'd rather let Cal play a bunch, you know, twenty meaningless games for us down the stretch. And, uh, it's just you know, the same goes for for Green yeah. to me. Like I I I think he's been amazing for the, yeah. this team in terms of you know what 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 do you expected from him and and what the Islanders have got and just like the per- talk about the perfect fit and um it's just it's 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 going to be tough in that in that regard <laughs> for. Yeah. And that's what losing does. Like that's that's why yeah. it's you know it, it it not only like causes the fan base to bicker and everyone like I, people really need to think think about where we were six months whatever it was six months ago <laughs> and um, yeah if you if I told you like hey there's going to be a, a group of fans that think Barry Trotz is you know potential is <laughs> like mm. calling for his head and then and, and I I, okay. I would say that this is a very 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 vocal minority uh mm. this is not a, a popular opinion i don't think at all um i, I think people would just be like sacri- that was that sacrilege yeah. and stuff and uh it's it's 
but that's what losing does. And, and we've, yeah. we've seen it enough. Like we've, we've seen losing what losing does to a franchise. It causes people to stop going to games. It causes, uh, you know, the, the, your ownership to, to get rattled. It, it, it just, it's not good for anybody. Um, so you just hope that, uh, these guys and, and, and like you, you, I think that's the most salient point about this whole season is that this isn't Jack Capuano and Gar Snow mm. re- trying to rebound off of a of a dud season if, if it gets <laughs> to be that. It's it's Lou Lamarillo and Barry Trotz. Right. So you just trust them and uh, trust Sorokin. And that, that's the thing that does scare me about Bar- trading Varlamov is like he, mm. he has that no trade clause, but I'd almost call it like the Sorokin no trade clause where it's like, look, you got to ask Ilya Sorokin if he's okay with them. Yeah. Yeah. Because I'm not saying it would happen, but yeah. I see it, you know, maybe for, again, for Colorado only because he kind of knows the team. But yeah. 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 No, I think, and, and, <laughs> and it's the same thing with the Clutterbuck thing, right? right? Like if you're getting a good return for him, what's the point of having two, you know, good goalies in meaningless games when you can let Sorokin truly get, you know, the, uh, what uh, an NHL workload in right. uh, going into next season um, and, you know, bring up, Jacob Skarik or yeah. trade for a, a young goalie that, you know, maybe you think is going to be a decent backup or something and uh, let go with that because it, it's, it's, let's put it this way. If, if, if Gar Snow was the GM right now and he didn't, and, and we were talking like this and, and he didn't get anything for Simeon Varlamov and there were offers out there, we would be mad, you know, Thomas oh, yeah. Vanek kind of <laughs> stuff, but like this, it's just such a completely different era. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. All right. Well, we're going to pause here and take a break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about some of these games that got coming up in the second half of the season and the All-Star game. Geez, we completely forgot about the All-Star game. And also, uh, the Islanders uh, lost a dude on waivers today, which kind of sucks, too. Uh, So uh, give us a minute and uh, we'll come back and talk about all that. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. And now a word from our sponsors. First, as always, VintageIceHockey.com, where you can get t-shirts, hoodies, and mugs featuring over 100 classic hockey logos. Vintage Ice Hockey also carries our Al Arbor t-shirt, and our portion of the sales go directly to the Center for Dementia Research. The code still isn't working yet, but uh, you know we'll let you know when it can. But uh, you should definitely check out VintageIceHockey.com all the time because it's really cool. Uh, Betway is the official betting partner of the NHL. Play for free anywhere in the U.S. or play for real. Residents in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Colorado, Idaho, and Iowa only. Click the link in the podcast description to join. Must be 21 or over. Terms and conditions apply. Try wines from the Pinot Project, delicious Pinot Noir, Pinot Grigio, and Rosé, all under $15 a bottle, available at local wine shops and at UBS Arena. These guys are great. They're very generous, <laughs> and uh, their wines are delicious. Uh, and please play and drink responsibly. Uh, okay, so looking ahead at the schedule that the Islanders have uh, coming up, 
they have two long road trips. One starting Wednesday, like you said, Vancouver, Edmonton, and Calgary. Uh, Vancouver Wednesday, Calgary on Edmonton on Friday, and Calgary on Saturday. And then uh, they finish up in Buffalo on next Tuesday. They're home for two days against the, the Habs and Bruins. And then it's back out to the road to play in Seattle, in San Jose, at LA, at Anaheim. And then I believe, oh yeah, and Colorado. So these are some brutal, brutal games to play. Um, you know, the first few, I think, are games that they might be able to win. But, you know, they're on the road. Like, could they beat the Oilers? Yeah, they did at home. Could they do it again? I don't know. I mean, the Flames... They've come back down to earth a little bit from where they were early in the season, but they're still pretty good. Buffalo is Buffalo. I mean, so I'm looking at a bunch of games that the Islanders might be able to win, but I'm also looking at them on the road coming off of a really crappy, basically first half. They've lost, you know, already lost once to Seattle. I mean, if they do it again at that point, your season is definitely over. Um, and also, I mean, they start picking up points and and at that point we're, are they at? I mean, I believe they're still 17 points or maybe 18 points now out of the final wild card. And I don't know. It's it's hard for me to look at this. And, you know, even if let's say they they run the table and they pick up, you know, if you've got uh, five, you got 10 games here. Let's say you pick up, you know, 17 or 18 points out of those 20 possible points. Hey, that's great. But like, where do you end up at the end coming out of coming into March? Like, I don't even know if that's going to even make a dent in their predicament. Yeah, you know, we said before, like, this team is better than Columbus. They're better than Philly. They're better than New Jersey. They should finish probably, you know, ahead of those guys. But at this point, the other f- teams in the division are just, they're too too far ahead. So I don't know. Makes, uh, you know, makes me feel bad just having to watch them. But I can't imagine what these guys have to do when they have to actually go play these teams. They're in Vancouver now. So we'll see. Uh, we'll see what happens on Wednesday. That's a TNT game, by the way. So. <laughs> Make sure you turn into TNT. Their first ever appearance on TNT, and it's against freaking Vancouver Canucks uh, in a potentially lost season. <laughs> yeah, in a, in a rescheduled game too. Yeah, like it's just, yeah right. right. Well, whatever. Mm. Um, it's just another weird thing in this weird right. season. But um, yeah, it's it's the 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 whole point, like this whole rhythm of the season since that long losing streak has been. Uh, no win really means anything until it's consolidated with three more mm. in, right after it. Yeah, right. Um, I will say though, it, it is kind of nice that and this is kind of, I guess, hypocritical because of the, the road trip to start the season, but it is nice for them to go on the road again. Like, yeah. Well, they've been, been home a while for a long time. Yeah. White Jersey. Yeah. <laughs> like when, when was their last road trip? Like their true, like a truly, you know, oh, three, was the 13 game. It like, was a 13 game yeah. trip, right? Like they, they haven't really been That was it. <laughs> like they've done to yeah the Philly and whatever Jersey, but um, yeah, like it's it so that'll be good. But mm. uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, and and if you look like some they in the past the Islanders um have done really well on these like swings. Uh, I remember three years ago was it where like they did like the California sweep and uh when Robin Leonard um was he he played spectacularly uh, and I remember being like oh well maybe this guy. Is going to be good. Um, I think that was. Uh, I think those were those were on the road. But um, the like, it, who knows? Like you know, they at this point where you're hoping for a hail mary if you're <laughs> rooting for the team to to get back into it, and we all are. Like you're you're just hoping that hey, maybe they come back, and you know, we're talking on March 10th, and the Islanders have won 10 of 12 or 11 one and one or some something crazy, 
Uh, but it just this team doesn't has not instilled any confidence that, right. that they have that in their locker at all this season, which is weird because it's a pretty similar team with just a couple of uh, different pieces and 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 two very good goaltenders who should be able to bail them out uh, on on off nights. But uh, that hasn't been the case, and uh, yeah, it's it'll it'll be it'll be a weird trip because of like the stakes are pretty low and uh, the the game that always comes to mind in this kind of environment in Vancouver is when uh, they were bad uh, 2016 when they scored like seven goals in the third period or something like that. (laughs) Uh, I remember I was out, I was at Applebee's for that game after like playing basketball (laughs) and just like, I think the Islanders just scored like six goals in seven minutes. Uh, But you know, who knows? And and I've always loved these trips. Like I, I, especially when, so it's a little sad that the games aren't, particularly impactful uh and and we'll we do get to see um you know the 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 thing i'm probably most and least looking forward to at the same time is the varlamov stuff when they play edmonton like Mm. it's going to be hilarious because uh we'll have uh you know jim matheson and ryan rashog and my friends all be Gene Prince of Pay, yeah, Gene <laughs> Prince of Pay. I, I love Gene Prince of Pay, but he's <laughs> that guy's talk about just like a, you know, the, he looks like a, a rich man's Craig Button. I guess is yeah. the best way to put it. Right? Right. Like he's just the beautiful mop of hair, and he's a real throwback to like yeah, the eighties a little bit. Very slick, yeah. <laughs> he's and like we need more. Like you know, you want those kind of guys around, and yeah, he's great. Um, but hopefully. Uh, yeah, hopefully that the, uh, you know, that those like murmurs aren't too annoying and people, I, I think one thing you can almost guarantee is like, oh, like the Oilers probably can get Varlamov for something really cheap because look at his win-loss record this year. Like, yeah, I'm sure that's yeah. exactly what's going to happen. But um, <laughs> yeah, the, the trip and just the trip at large is just going to be uh, very different from, from like these kind of road trips have been the past few seasons where... Uh, you know, it's, 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 you get kind of hyped up for it. And it's like, uh, this time it's, it's more of a, once again, more of a chore than anything. It feels mm-hmm. like. Yeah, no, definitely. And, and for what's been a mentally taxing season, like we talked about before, it's going to be even more of a, of a chore, but, uh, yeah. So I, I don't know. I mean, it feels to me like the Islanders really never make as much hay on these kinds of trips as they should. I've said before, like, you know, when, when, Teams like Vancouver and Edmonton come to the Islanders. I always hope for th- that they're a little bit tired, and I'm <laughs> by the time they get here. And I'm assuming that these teams feel the same way about the Islanders. And um, you know, it's it feels like a hundred years ago when the Islanders played the Flames in the first ever game at UBS Arena, and uh, you know played played really well, but lost. And that was you know, Brock Nelson had a couple of goals, and and that was the end of it. And it kind of started that whole run of of losses there. So I'm sure the guys are going to bring that up when they play i assume that's a hockey night in canada game it's a 10 o'clock start for us here in on the east coast um but yeah you know and and then the other thing too is like as daunting as this february schedule is it's it's a cakewalk compared to march where they're playing you know first of all they've got a million games uh it seems like one every other night they play eight games in the span of two weeks which is crazy uh at one point and they've got games against. They got two against the uh, the Avalanche, who are both really good. They play the Rangers again, the Caps, the Lightning. They play Columbus three times. Like that's a lot. And you know, is Columbus great? No, but when you play a team three times, you know they want to beat you. And so 
that that month just looks like a like a real bear. And then April really isn't much better. They play the Penguins on back to back games, Rangers, Caps on back to you know home at home games, Leafs again. So um, you know things are looking pretty bad. And if the Islanders really do truly feel like they have it in them to make the playoffs, now is the time to get after it because if they hit March with no momentum whatsoever. Um, if you thought the first half of this season was ugly, uh, that second half is going to be even worse. And and let's let's also be honest too. Like this team is not going to tank. Like there's no you know. Let's say things go terribly awry in February here, and they come out of this these road trips winless or you know got to be worse than where they are now. Um, there's no tanking. There's no no. There's no draft pick high enough for this team to just you know throw it in. And there's just too much pride. There's Lamarello and Trotz and Lee, they're just not going to let that that thing sort of happen. So, and that's kind of what I was going to get at before too. It's like it's funny to me how the same, you know, the, the voices that you were talking about who all of a sudden, you know, want to put Trotz on the hot seat don't understand that like this guy is the only reason they've had success <laughs> over the last couple of years and the system that all of a sudden nobody likes has worked to perfection when people execute it. And and the other thing too is like I feel like there's a lot of sort of misconstruing uh, or misunderstanding of what Trotz and Lamorello are all about. These guys don't tell players go out and win a game two one. That they don't want to do that. What they're talking about is protecting the slot area and the high danger chance area, and then maximizing their high danger chances. Like we talked about this a couple weeks ago, where are the rush goals for the Islanders this year? They don't have any, like they, they don't have the two on ones that they used to. That's what they used to live off of. They used to feast off of it. It was fantastic. And that's what those guys want. They want the the quality defense in the high danger areas and then maximizing that and getting your own high danger chances on the other end. Nobody's telling anybody to go out and win a game 2-1. I hate when people talk about Trotz. Oh, he wants to do is win games 2-1. No, he does not. This is the man that coached Alexander Ovechkin and Nicholas Backstrom and TJ Oshie for four seasons. He didn't tell those guys to go out and win games 2-1. They want to score goals. They want to win games. Nobody's executing their system this year. And whether they're tired or they just can't do it or they're, you know the young guys haven't gotten up to speed, for whatever reason, it's not, act, it's not happened this year. So... It just drives me nuts when it's like, oh, yeah, well, Trotz is it's system. They, they, they burn out. They, the guys don't want to do it anymore. No, they just, I don't know. They just can't, <laughs> I guess, at this point. And, and it just, I, I don't know. Nobody, that's, that's, I just hate that. Like, nobody tells a player to go out and win a game 2 1. That's the dumbest. And it's like when people are like, oh, Capuano had them sit back on, on, in the third period and then they lost. Every single time Jack Capuano was asked about it, he says, no, we didn't want to sit back and, and nurse a lead in the third and we end up losing. And so the coach can only tell the players what to do. Like if he, if they go out and don't execute it, that's on them. <laughs> so I, I, I don't know. It's just, it drives me kind of crazy. So yeah, yeah it's, 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 um, <laughs> they make it out to seem like, like when a, when a third goal is scored for either team, right. Barry Trotz is mad. Uh, right. the, the game isn't, it's not 1997. Right. And, uh, <laughs> you know, Wayne Primo is, is hooking somebody, down on a, on a breakaway or something uh, <laughs> on the Sabres, but um, it's it's not the the uh, the game plan isn't to win two one. The game plan is to look if it is two one. Here's how you manage these situations. Like here's yeah. how you manage uh, a two one lead. Here's how you manage uh, a game that's tight. Here's and and that's that's the stuff that this team has been able to do uh, with to a plum with 
this this coaching staff for three seasons. Um, they've been able to eke out w- whatever. They've been able to to survive one goal leads. They've been able to hold on to three goal leads. They've been able to what do whatever. Mm. Uh, and uh, they they have this season the old uh, kind of classic symptom of a bad hockey team has has definitely reverted or shown itself again, which is they're giving up goals in the last minute of the period all over the time place. They're giving right. goals. That, remember that that weird stretch of games, um, two thousand and Nabokov was in goal was, was yeah. with the team, but where 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 teams would score in the first shot against the Islanders, yeah, every, like every game, <laughs> uh, like like those kind of things are like popping up. Like they're giving up the first goal, they're giving up a goal in like the first they give three up or the four first minutes two goals of the game. game in the last yeah, couple, and, yeah. <laughs> um, the, the the coaching staff. That's not. I mean, maybe you can put like we're not going to sugarcoat that the. I don't think that anyone would argue that the coaching staff has been perfect this year. And, and hmm. I don't think that uh, management has been perfect this year, but the players are the ones who are going out there and doing it and uh, or, or playing. And they're just not, this isn't a diff, drastically different group of players. So hmm. that's, that's the frustrating thing. And, and like you said, they're not, this isn't a team to set up to tank. This is a team that will, if things go off the rails, uh, I'm do something, you know, a couple of little things on the fly. And, and guess what? Like next season, Matt Barzell is going to be the number one center. Brock Nelson is going to be the number two center. <laughs> JG Pedro is going to be the number three center. And Casey Sezikis is going to be the number four center. And there's likely going to be a couple guys on the blue line that are only over right. 37 years old that everyone's not going <laughs> to want. Like this is just kind of how this team is set up to kind of put mm. itself together. And um, it's uh, it's I mean, it's better than it's ever been in my lifetime too. And yeah. you say, boy, this is going to be three out of four seasons where the Islanders were truly competitive. Um, and that's not something they've been in my lifetime uh, still. Uh, and, and that's, that is also what makes it so scary that this is a losing season because um, you know, if it took them 31 years for me in my life to, to get to <laughs> uh, where they were last season, hopefully it doesn't take another 31 to get back there. <laughs> Yeah, that would that would that would be bad. But again, I don't I don't know. Yeah. I don't see that coming, especially with the new arena, these owners, the management. I don't see that happening. And it is funny. And before we get on to the final topic, I'm looking at. I forgot I had the uh, NHL standings up here, and it is funny to me that as bad as the Islanders are win loss wise, they're they are third in the league in goals against right now. The they've given up 105 goals this season, and Carolina has given up 102. Although I guess that's about 105 because I think they're losing to Ottawa right now. So like it would be hilarious and a very Islanders thing if they were to like miss the playoffs and yet somehow win the Jennings trophy or like be in the Jennings trophy conversation for giving up the least amount of goals, but (laughs) wouldn't have have scored enough to actually make the playoffs. I think that would be really funny. Um, And, you know, with 43 games left, it's not out of the realm of possibility, I suppose, but it depends a lot on what happens next couple of weeks. Um, Okay, real quick. Uh, the All Star Game was last weekend. Some asshole is driving some motorized thing around my neighborhood. Let me do that again. <laughs> uh, the uh, so the All Star Game was last weekend uh, in Vegas. Uh, the skills competition was last Friday. The game itself was Saturday. Um, you know, I- I'm a fan. I watch them. Uh, I've always watched them, and I watch the All Star Game for one reason to see an Islander play with the best of the best. And this year it was Adam Pellick. And I got to tell you, he acclimated himself pretty well. He he came in second in the hardest shot competition with 102 mile an hour slap shot. He put a pretty nice little backhand on Jack Campbell in the incredibly stupid 
save streak competition that nobody understands and really should be thrown in the trash. And then in the uh, next day, again, in all-star game, he had a couple of assists, one beauty set up to, uh, to Jack Hughes. He uh, played, <laughs> played on a, on a line or a unit with Chris Kreider and Jack Hughes. I thought that was kind of funny. Island Ranger and devil all on the ice at the same time. And he seemed to have a heck of a good time. And guess what? The Metro division won the all-star game. Yet again, I feel like they win every year. So, and he got a lot of praise from his his teammates. Uh, they had a mic'd up Tom Wilson, and yeah, I know we all hate Tom Wilson, but like he was having a good time with with uh, Pelly. He was immediately Pelly, Pelly, Pelly. So, um, it was cool to see. I enjoy it. I know the All Star Game is not for everybody. That the skills competition was kind of kind of dry. They had those like uh, events out on the on the strip. They had the thing with the blackjack which was kind of cool, but it just dragged. And then the, the Bellagio fountain thing too, was like, it was a cool idea, but it's just such a drag. And like the host remind me never to watch family feud Canada, because if that's the host. I, I don't know if he's no, he's no Steve Harvey. Let's put it that way. He's not even Richard Dawson. He's not even the late Louis Anderson. Um, and so it just came off as still very stilted. Um, you know, these hockey guys, they don't have much of a personality outside of just hockey guy. And it it kills these kinds of things. They should have brought PK Subban. That was really my my big takeaway. They should have had PK there doing the interviews, hosting, doing whatever he wanted to do because he's a hockey player with personality. And and as Larry Brooks said in his column, and we got to give credit where it's due, he said, "If people see the personality in Austin Matthews, well, I don't." <laughs> so, that was that was really funny. So you know, it was hit or miss. I enjoyed seeing Adam Pellig out there, but. A lot of the stuff was pretty stilted and, and kind of painful in a way. And also, by the way, you, you, I can't believe they, they cut off the broadcast before they gave out the MVP and the big check. <laughs> what, what are you doing? It's a Saturday afternoon on ABC. What what the hell is coming on? I, that, that was that's oh, man. Why can't this league just do anything normal on television, please? Just <laughs> one thing, please. Anyway, yeah, that's, that's the my- uh, <laughs> yeah the thing we talk about a lot when we talk about the league itself. It's a uh, Everything they do feels so much like a press release. Like even yeah. if it's the All Star Game, it's like it's it just <laughs> feels so forced, and um, there's just no room to like color outside the lines, right? Because when people do try to do it, um, either it comes off as forced, they're pandering, or mm. it's immediately. Uh, I don't even want to say shot down, but it's immediately. Uh, met with the force of a million think pieces and threads, <laughs> Twitter threads, like the amount of people who were upset about the Trevor Zegris thing. I, I, and I'll throw a hint. Like I haven't, I didn't watch it. I didn't watch. I don't like the all-star game because of what happened to Rick DiPietro. And <laughs> uh, when he got hurt, uh, just like, I don't like the Olympics because of what happened to John Tavares. Like I, those, <laughs> those scars aren't really going to heal uh, for me. Um, and I think that the, the format is not, really conducive for fun and whatever, but I'm not going to sit online and Hmm. talk about, you know, tweet through it about, (laughs) you know, why I don't like it. Some people do. And, um, um, however, I think like, it's just, it's, it, you you said like the league just, they don't, they, I don't think they understand what anybody wants. Like, I, Hmm. I think that they are, their focus group is so, is, is like the focus group of people that come up with like Ford commercials. <laughs> like, does this offend you? Does this, does it offend you that, uh, you know, there's a dog in this, com- in this sitting in the front seat of this car, like without its seatbelt on, is that going to make you upset? Like to buy this car, like that, that kind of stuff. Like it's, 
I don't, I really don't understand what the, uh, you know, like any sort of vision, like there's no, there's none of it. And it's, Mm. it's so frustrating because you, you see people, you come up with like different ideas on, on Twitter. You're like, yeah, that, that probably was a better idea. Like there's Twitter is like such an easy focus group and mm. it's, it's so annoying at the same time, but like there are, <laughs> it's very easy to just go and be like, okay, was this a good idea? No, obviously not. Because look at, you know, the, what these kind these sane people, like it's pretty easy to vet people too. Like right. this is a sane human being. Like I can tell from the, from the way that they handle their social media, they're not, uh, you know, dunk tweeting on, on stupid people. And they're not, they're just, you know, <laughs> being normal and right. they didn't like it. So uh, it's, it's pretty easy to, to kind of figure that stuff out. Um, and then there's also like this obsession about, Oh, the players just aren't marketed. Like, what does that mean? Yeah. Like, I don't understand. Like what, mm. what, what, what does that mean? Like the, I, I, I understand like at, at its core what it means, but like, do right. you want to see Trevor Zegers on a commercial? Like, what, do you want to see Trevor Zegers throughout the first pitch at, the world series like what what does it mean like i don't because i hate to break it to you trevor zegris doing that and and which was really cool like hats off to him he's an exciting player but nobody from memphis tennessee is going to tune into a ducks game because like i saw trevor zegris do this crazy this crazy thing um you know it's that's people were so uh, mad that he didn't win the thing but like who cares? Yeah, like, it's, who cares? And, but same hypothetical fan isn't going to not watch right. the NHL because of that either. Like, it's right. not that's not what it is. Like, the, the reason that no, like we, we go over it all the time, like there's the, the NHL is like 10 years away for, because they would have to start doing things from an extreme grassroots level to get people into the game. Like and I like people like, oh, Trevor Zegra should be the face of the NHL for the next 15 seasons. The NHL has had the best its best players ever. Mm. For the since Sidney Crosby, they had Sidney Crosby, and then they had Connor McDavid, and they had Alex Ovechkin too. And the only one of those people who has truly like even come close to like eclipsing the mainstream mm. is Ovechkin, and it's because he's a Russian goofball. It's not, <laughs> it's you know, it's not Sidney Crosby talking about you know. There's nobody at the water cooler in uh, you know Duluth, Minnesota, or Bangor, Maine, or wherever else you want to go, Spokane, Washington, saying. <laughs> Do you hear Sidney Crosby's training with Gary Roberts this summer? Like he's doing the like that's that's because that's what this this league and the media obsessions over more than anything. Yeah. Like they're they these like really minutiae of it. Like, mm. no, they don't, but they might talk about, hey, like Ovechkin, that guy's a fing animal. Like he's nuts. Like that kind of stuff is all right. Like, but it's just not there's one Ovechkin and there's, you know, maybe six or seven other guys like that. It's like this obsession with Brad Marchand now. Like, oh, yeah. oh, don't, you know, don't let Brad Marchand near a phone. He's going to tweet something crazy. Like, mm. okay, guys, like calm down. It's, the, the, it's not, that's not what's going to turn. It's not, that's not going to have people from watching, M, mm. uh, you know, NBA game uh, on league pass and turn, mm. tune into ESPN plus. You want to know what might putting on a day game, putting on a game where there's a game where the Islanders are playing and, or, the Canucks are playing or the wild are playing and there's not an NBA game going on. Put a game on at three o'clock on a Tuesday afternoon. I don't know. <laughs> like try some other stuff besides yeah. the, the stuff that other leagues were doing seven years ago. I, I mean, to me, it it's like a two pronged thing and this might be oversimplifying things, but I think the NHL needs to do two things. If it wants to even almost get to the point where it's as popular as the NFL and the NBA. Number one, you need to have a game on every week, no matter what, at the same time, all the time. Like, 
everybody on earth knows about Monday Night Football. Every single person knows that game is going to be on. And there's no like, oh, it's 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 not on now because, you know, we only get these games on Saturdays from July, you know, from February through March. No, put the games on TV. Maybe now that they're on TNT, maybe they'll get the games all the time. But like you said, then the problem, you know, is the NBA. But if it, if there is a hockey game on TNT every Wednesday at eight, maybe that's what they need to do, and maybe that'll help. But to me, I don't see things on channel on channel seven on ABC that are like tremendously important. I don't know why Saturday on ABC can't be a hockey game, and I know they got college football, and that's another thing too. Like college football is way more popular than the than any, the NHL is. Period, and so is college basketball for that matter. Put a game on, <laughs> like put the hockey game on, and people will eventually find it. The second thing is, you the people who come up with the stuff to advance the NHL cannot be hockey people because hockey people only hang out with other hockey people. Hockey people know who Trevor Zegers is. They knew who Trevor Zegers was before he came into the league because they had Pierre Maguire shouting and yelling about him the year before he was drafted. Nobody outside of, the, of that world knows who this guy is. So who cares? Like the, the, that all-star game was a perfect example of like these guys talking, about, yeah, that's a good, it's a six celly there. What do, like nobody cares about this shit. Nobody cares. Talk in human language that other people can understand um, and have fun. Like that's the other thing too. It's not fun. Like the all-star game was the, the best part of the all-star game to me was they had a microphone on, on Jonathan Marcheseau. And his kids were there on the bench. And at one point, the you know, the kid was like, who's that? And Marshall was like, he's one of the best defensemen in the league. I choose to think that he was talking about Adam Pellick because there's no way that that little kid, who was probably like three or four, has any idea who Adam Pellick is. And he only sees the Islanders twice a year, you know, if he's if he's, you know, stays up to watch his dad play. So, like, there's no fun there. Like, if you watch the NBA All-Star game, it's fun. And I, I, don't, I don't know. Just there's... There's something fundamentally wrong with the NHL and a thousand Trevor Zegerses on every team isn't going to change anything. Like there's just <laughs> nothing there. Nobody cares. Nobody cares about this sport, but crazy people like us and you crazy listeners. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, it, they, that's the thing. It just, it's not there. It's, it says so much about the league and the sport that the same week that we're having this conversation, everyone is, because that's what the NHL all-star game is about. It's, it, it ends up being a, a discourse on why the game isn't growing <laughs> and whatever and then mm. in the same week the news broke that the arizona coyotes yeah. are going to play in wow. a 3200 seat arena perhaps amazing like, and honestly i'm rooting for it because you and i and everyone listening to the show knows what it's like to be a fan in a mm. helpless situation where your team might leave and like like the Islanders, like the Coyotes, sure, they don't have a big fan base, but there is a fan base there. And there, <laughs> I'm telling you, there are people out there that care about the Arizona Coyotes just as much as me and you care about the New York Islanders. They're going to bed every night. <laughs> They're thinking about the Coyotes. It's like it's kind of like the Sopranos. Like when, when you're watching the Sopranos, like it kind of just takes over your life. Like you, you're like mm. almost like in the show. Like it's the same thing with when you're watching your team, your island, the Islanders uh whatever like all i want to do is talk about the islanders during the season that's it and right. even in the offseason all i want to do is talk about the islanders mm. it's an obsession but like when you're watching the sopranos similarly like it's just like you're just like this show is so good like and i just want to talk about it all the time and there are people out there who feel that way about the arizona coyotes and yeah. if, if if putting them at arizona state with a 3200 3, seat arena is what keeps them there and makes those people happy and, and keeps them from losing their team 
great, do it, whatever. Uh, but it just, it does, should, and ring a million alarm bells <laughs> that that is ha- actually happening. Yeah. And, and like, nobody's really batting an eyelash to being like, this is weird. Like, right. this is crazy. It's kind of like, yeah, like, this is the solution for the Coyotes next season, like, that that, that might happen. Nobody's, nobody's saying, like, J- Jeff Merrick and Elliot Freeman aren't stopping each other and be like, can we just talk about how insane this is <laughs> that, you know, I don't, I can't think of any era in sports where anybody right. p- professional sports played in, a, in an arena that, that small. And I mean, yeah, it's just nuts. It's nuts. It, it is. And if you, maybe not your office, cause you work in an office of sports fans, but like if I went into the office and was like, Hey, if I had an office to go into is and not work, was not working from home for <laughs> two years uh, and was like, Hey, did you know the Arizona coyotes are going to play, maybe play at <laughs> Arizona state? And it's like, the arena is like 5,000 people. The number one thing I would hear back would be, who are the Arizona Coyotes? <laughs> like, and that—that's the level at which people don't care. I've worn my Predators shirt to work, and I have people be like, "Is that a superhero?" Like, no, it's not a superhero. I do wear a lot of superhero T-shirts, but like, this is a hockey team. Oh, is it the Nashville Predators? Nashville has a hockey team. Yes, they've been there for twenty-five years. Like, that's <laughs> you, nobody knows. Nobody knows. And like, Predators fans know again. Like you just said, like there there are diehard Predators fans all over the world, and. That's a very, very small group of people. <laughs> and a much larger group of people has never heard of these guys. And a, one of my favorite quotes was Robert Lipsight, who used to write for the New York Times. And I'm totally paraphrasing, but this was he was talking about the Rangers. And he said that New York has exactly 10,000 hockey fans. And every time the Rangers play, all of them are at Madison Square Garden. And that is true. Like that's that's the exact that is hockey distilled into a single sentence. Like there are, you know, 17,000 Islanders fans in the world, and every time they play. They're all at UBS or whatever. Like you could say that about anybody, except in Canada, where there's all they're all hockey people. Like again, they're you know it's the this Coyotes thing may make you know if you said if you worked in Calgary and said that to somebody, they might be, have an opinion on it. But like that's because they're inundated with it. Like they get hockey every night. They're on TV. The people are doing you know not. To, I know we're gonna go off a whole other thing, but like you can't tell me that John Tavares didn't think about signing with the Leafs because he can do how many different commercials <laughs> up, in, up in Toronto that he wouldn't get when he was on Long Island. I mean, that's a thing. And here we don't have that. Now we have Ove- Ovechkin and Backstrom for Geico or not Geico, the, the, the other insurance, the Aflac or whatever it is. And it's fine. But like, and think about how big a deal game. that was too. Like everybody talked right. about that for two days. Yeah. <laughs> Cause that these a, guys did a commercial. Like, right. Okay, you want to know why people aren't we don't market it? Because this is how everyone acts. Like there's there's a story about it on every site, and <laughs> everyone's talking about how great it is on podcasts and whatever. It was a commercial, right? Yeah, for Aflac. <laughs> yeah, it should be. You know, we should be past this point now, but <laughs> we're not. Anyway, all right, let's uh, let's wrap it up. Uh, I mean, we went a little long, but hey, the game on Wednesday doesn't start until ten thirty, so you got time to listen. So there you go. Um, Make sure you read Lighthouse Hockey every single day for your most up-to-date Islanders news and discussion. Check out VintageIceHockey.com. Check out Betway. Check out ThePinotProject.com. We're going to be on our way with a new Weird Islanders this week. It is going to be awesome, I promise you. And the subject is one of the premier Islanders villains of all time. Uh, It's not John Tavares, but you know who it is. Uh, And uh, it's going to be great, I promise. We're going to have a lot of fun. And we're going to have a new theme song, too, which I'm very excited to, to talk about on the show. Uh, where can everybody find you on Twitter? At the big Lebowski with two E's. Follow Mike at the big Lebowski with two E's. Um, I mean, baby or no baby, you've had uh, 
quite a packed podcast schedule last week too. You, you guys, you, I saw you had a line change out today. You were talking about the Wonder Goal, right? You're going to be doing one of those to, uh, coming up soon too, right? So yeah, yeah. It took a. It's I'll be uh, back on Wonder Goal Sunday night, and uh, yeah, line change uh, to Tuesdays and Thursdays, and yeah, that's it. And just been uh, yeah, I'm on paternity leave. Um, ah. But I'm doing the podcast because I, I like doing it. I, I like I like talking to, <laughs> to to these to these folks. But uh, it's uh, yeah, it's been it's been fun. And t- tomorrow will be my first time to like truly watch an Islander game with uh, ah. with, with baby Isla. So we'll uh, see. She's she's already brought me. Uh, she's already felt the pain of watching Everton lose a <laughs> a huge huge game today. So uh, she will certainly find out what it's like to watch the Islanders lose tomorrow i'm sure and uh (laughs) the the uh hopefully she follows her mom and just becomes a bruins fan because it's just so much simpler but um yeah unfortunately she's doomed to everton because emily doesn't really care for soccer i'm i'm interested to hear uh isla's thoughts on perhaps the islanders acquiring jt miller at the trade deadline (laughs) (laughs) who's that guy yeah he's pretty good anyway so uh we'll find out uh what she says uh next week but uh yeah we'll, we'll be back uh in in a few days after the islanders uh little Western Canada swing here and uh, we'll see where they're at and reevaluate at that point. Uh, thank you very much for listening. We'll be back in a couple of days with weird Islanders and uh, take care. Thanks a lot. Talk to you later. Bye-bye.